Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Smiley Podcast. I am Steve Seifer, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing this week? Good, good. I'm doing well. I've been half-vaccinated, so that's fun. Having a half-vaccine is always good. Yes. Brace yourself for that second dose. I know, man. I'm I'm already thinking about it. See, I'm still not sure if I, because I get chronic migraines anyway, I'm still not sure if that was from the vaccine or just, you know, my usual bullshit, but... A lot of people told me it sucked, too, so you're not the yeah. only one I've heard it from. Yeah. Well, dying of COVID probably sucks more, yes. so... Oh, yes, it's worth it. I'll, I'll take that trade off. <laughs> All right, so, uh, promote extend trade, and on today's date, back in 1994... Green Day released Dookie, which turned out to be basically one of the most influential albums of the 90s, I would say. So, what other influential 90s albums are we going to promote, extend, or trade? You know, Steve, I -hmm. used to complain when you'd, like, (laughs) put wrestling ones out there, because be like, man, this is a real blanket spot in my knowledge. I can't contribute to this discussion at all. Congratulations, you found an even blanker spot in my knowledge. <laughs> I don't know that I could name a single album from the 90s. Take a couple of guesses. Let's just, just throw some things out here then. 
Oh, I do have one from Pink Floyd because the Division Bell came out in 1994. Well, <laughs> there you go, then. I I got nothing else. <laughs> Honestly, I I will be honest. This is like the last kind of my my last resort. This one was because originally uh, originally I wanted to do this. Um, uh, Frank Sinatra and Nancy Sinatra recorded something stupid together. So I wanted to get a, a list of like, you know, uh, top father daughter kind of singers that have released music together. Right. And I started, I, I was very much in a time crunch today and I started looking it up and it, I just kept getting wrong. It, the, the searches were taking me down the direction that I was not looking to go down towards. So I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to shelf it and the end. But yeah, I feel like that would have been a, a, a better one. But anyway, so um, these are the albums that we have in question. We have Nirvana's Nevermind. We have Eminem's Slim Shady LP. And we have Alanis Morissette's Jag a Little Pill. I mean... Damn. They're all influential in one way or another. I think, oddly, I have an answer already. Okay. Because I know... can trade everything. I know a couple (laughs) tracks from the Slim Shady album, and that's really good, so let's uh, extend that. My parents used to listen to Alana Morissette endlessly, and it was annoying, so I'm trading that, and then that leaves... I don't even remember what the third one is, but it's being promoted. Hooray! <laughs> I've successfully bullshit my way through another promote extend trade where I knew nothing. Congratulations, Lucas. You've done even better because I think I'm going to agree to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm trading Nirvana because I'm not a huge Nirvana fan. Um, I'm promoting Alanis Morissette and I'm extending Slim Shady. Uh, so, like, I'm not even a huge Eminem fan either, man. The, the the album I like the most out of this is the Alanis Morissette one, so I think I'm gonna have to switch those and extend Alanis Morissette because I'm just not a huge fan of the rest of that. Go figure. All right, I figured that was gonna be like the least. I figured that was gonna be like unanimously traded. So, huh? I actually like that album, like unironically. Ha. Huh. Huh. Very topical, ironic. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's like. I'm not a big rap guy, but I'll, I'll listen to Eminem endlessly. It's great stuff. Did not expect that coming from you, Lucas. I mean, <laughs> so as the youngest one here, I remember growing up, there was a time when people were arguing about who was a better rapper between 50 Cent and Eminem. And to me, it always seemed like an extremely easy answer of like, <laughs> this 50 Cent stuff is garbage. What are we talking about here compared to Eminem, of course? That reminds me. I don't remember exactly what. It, oh, oh, it, it had to do with GameStock, Game, Game Stock, Game Stonks, yes. And and I was just looking at a bunch of things that you know were retreated, and somebody retreated Ja Rule. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was like, okay. Ja Rule was like, hold the line, boys. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, 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 this is not investment advice. I'm still holding the line. <laughs> bringing bringing up Fifty Cent makes me think of General. Um, Fifty uh, in related Fifty Cent uh, news related tangentially to Fifty Cent. Dogecoin did not hit Fifty Cents today. In case no. you were curious, <laughs> this is now a financial podcast. Welcome. I've I've been monitoring Dogecoin very much, and it has not. 
but I, I I think I've made like twenty dollars off of it, so I'm pretty happy yeah, about that. Twenty bucks, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Amazing Avenue's number one Deutsche coin podcast. Dude, Hell yeah! Su- such money, many crypto. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, speaking of wow. Oh boy. We had another goddamn trade. As if the 2021 top prospect list was not already in shambles from the uh-huh. trades that already took place. Now we have another one. And maybe this one doesn't screw things up as much, but a little bit. Uh, this one came together real quick last Wednesday and kind of out of the blue. And the Mets traded Steven Matz to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for three pitchers. First one is right-hander Sean Reed Foley. The second one is right-hander Josh Winkowski. And final one is right-hander Yenisey Diaz. Um, before we even get to the guys that the Mets are getting back, poor one after Steven Matz. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I think that he was maybe one of the first my guys that I had. Just because it was hard not to root for him as someone following prospects. A, he's from the area. B, he had a lot of injury issues early in his career. So it's, you know, it's hard to root against guys trying to come back from stuff like that. And when he was on the field, like, his stuff was really good as a prospect. So it's like the trifecta there. Yeah. Hey, look, Stephen Matz, lots of really fun memories. The six RBI game, his grandpa losing it. Had some fun moments in that 2015 stretch, but at this point, like, he was almost someone that should have been non-tendered, so. Yeah, I was, I was banging that drum to non-tender him, so. To get three prospects for him, I'm fine with that. Like, if we're talking about it from a trade standpoint, but. I'm, I kind of wish you were. I just wish the the New York Mets fan from Long Island was like mm-hmm. a Met for twelve years and was good. You know, like that's that's like the childhood dream. So it sucks that he couldn't really figure it out here. But I hope he does. Well, yeah, we wish him luck in Toronto, and he'll be uh, he'll be he'll be reunited. I guess reunited <laughs> with fellow Long Island left-hander Anthony Kay, friend, uh, friend of our friend podcast. of the podcast. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Cornering the market. So the first guy the Mets got back in the trade, not going to spend too, too, too much time on him since he's a major leaguer already. But Sean Reed Foley, he was his second-round pick in the 2014 draft. He worked his way up the Toronto system. He peaked as high as being their top prospect, according to some sources, in 2017. Then he made his debut 2018 and was a slightly below-average starter in limited innings that year and in 2018. Excuse me, 2019. And then last season, he pitched a handful of innings at the bullpen, but he spent most of the time at Toronto's alternate training site in Rochester. And the stuff could be really good, but he walks a ton of guys. So he's going to be a guy that drives everybody crazy, kind of like Ali Perez did back in the day. When he's on, he's on. When he's off, oh, God. Um, yeah, I think I think I think Jeff tweeted like one inning he'll look like a top of the rotation ace, and the next inning he looks like a twenty, a two, whatever you want to call that. It's like okay, very ollie. Yeah, I mean maybe the Mets coaches will figure something out because that is one thing the Mets have done pretty well over the years is getting guys to kind of limit the walks. Mm-hmm. But 
if the Mets are not able to do that, then with Reed Foley, we're going to be banging our heads on the wall with all the walks. Yeah. He does have utility, though. Like, he's 25, has an option, and they were uh, – this is a little awkward. I was going to say earlier in the offseason they were talking about needing obstacles starting pitching. Of course, it was the uh, disgraced former GM who scumbag who said that, but the, the point holds that optionable starting pitching is good, and for the moment that's what Reed Foley is, and I think there's still potential in the bullpen too if they decide to go that way. I think that's true for the – for Wischkowski, how do you pronounce his name? I have no Winkowski. idea. Winkowski. Winkowski. I think Winkowski. that's true for him too, which we're about to get to. But. Yep. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about the other guy first. I'm trying to do it in order of experience. Yes. And Reed Foley has lots of major league experience, and the next guy, Yanis Diaz, he has a little bit of experience. He made his major league debut and recorded exactly two outs. So. He, he got to the show, but clearly still has his uh, prospect status. Toronto signed him uh, at the beginning of the 2014-2015 international free agent signing period out of Venezuela, and he got a $1.6 million signing bonus. The numbers were never really all that great as he moved up their system, but they were never really bad either. And he found himself on the back end of top 25 or top 30 prospect lists for the Toronto system in a couple of years. And then he got the call up in August 2019, and he got smacked around by the Orioles out of the bullpen. He got sent back down, and that was the end of that. Never good getting smacked down in your major league debut, and it, it definitely is worse when it's the Orioles. But, you know, I guess everybody has to lose their their pitching virginity at some point, so why not, I guess, mm-hmm. with the Orioles. Um. So early in his career, there are kind of concerns that he might not be a starter going forward, but he put on some weight, he put on some muscle. He's listed at 6'1", 210, and he's pitched back-to-back years in 2018 and 2019 of 140 innings plus. So he definitely will be able to handle starters' workload if the Mets want to go with him as a starter. He's probably destined to be a reliever, though, Um just because the stuff really plays up better in the bullpen. Um, and it is okay stuff in in one regard. Uh, the fastball, it's a very good fastball. Sits in the mid-90s, it's touched as high as 97. And he throws uh, from a three-quarter angle with some crossfire, so it has some arm drive life to it in addition to the velocity. But... He's kind of a work in progress because outside of that fastball, that's really all Diaz is able to do effectively right now. The curveball kind of flashes average, but it doesn't really fool batters too much to the point that it's really an effective strikeout pitch. Same thing with the changeup. Occasionally you'll see some good ones, but more majority of them are going to be firm and just kind of there. And then couple that with below average control. And, like I said, he's kind of a, a project, but there's not too much, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's too much present value in there right now. But Mets are good at, you know, teaching random guys sliders and turning them into God, so. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, that was, I mean, the, that report's pretty... Not inaccurate, but pessimistic, I would say, and he's still probably the best, one of, like, one of, immediately one of their best upper minor starters. Uh, yeah. 
kind of possibly. I don't know, like who who's going to be a better better option they currently had in the upper minors right now. It's pretty fucking thin. Yeah, I mean it depends on how you're defining, I guess, good. Like you'll have a guy like Harold who is not going to wow you, but he'll consistently put up solid numbers. Um, you know, same thing like a guy like Kevin Smith, like we had last year. Like the stuff wasn't good, but you know, he was able to get minor league batters out. So there are guys in the system that, you know, they will be able to get minor league batters out, but will they be able to get major league batters out? Uh, yeah. Don't really know. And Diaz is a guy that, with his fastball, definitely could get major league batters out. It just really, we need to see those secondaries come along more. Mm. And now the last guy involved is Josh Winkowski. And he's the only one of these three that have not seen, has not seen any major league playing time. He was drafted by Toronto in the 15th round of the 2016 draft out of Estero High School, which is in Florida. And his first two seasons, 2016, 2017, they were pretty ho-hum, nothing special, but he was pretty good in 2018 in short A. He was the Northwestern League, excuse me, the Northwest League pitcher of the year. And then he was even better in 2019 when he split the year in low A with the Lansing Lugnuts and high A with the Dunedin Blue Jays. Um, he's a solid pitcher, 6'4", 200 pounds, so lots of durability. No reason to think he won't be able to stay a starter. Uh, he throws from a, a over-the-top arm slot, and he really leverages that height to get a lot of sync on his fastball. Normally, it sits in the low 90s. It's touched as high as 96. Um, but we've we've heard some kind of not-so-great reports out of all instructs where he's only topping out around 93 or so. But I think we could cut him some slack given the fact that 2020 was a lost year. So disregard the, the bad reports and institute it with the good ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so he complements that sinker with a slider and a changeup. Slider is a better pitch. It's a kind of slurvy, high 80s pitch with, with a lot of uh, two-plane break. Changeup, it has potential, um, but it's still pretty hittable right now and just needs to be refined a little bit more. And you like to see he can control all three pitches. And, and that's a big change from Reed Foley and Diaz, that he's able to, you know, command everything. And he throws strikes, he's aggressive, competitive, all that kind of generic pitcher stuff. So there's a lot to like with him, too. And he is definitely the, the furthest um, away of all of the three. He's ironically the person I'm excited about the most here, too. Yeah, like, I think he is the best out of all of them. Like, I think there's a chance that... Because I think he was hurt, if I remember correctly, he was hurt two years he ago. Was, he was pitching hurt in 2019, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then that... I could see that influencing his poor instructs performance. So maybe him getting a little healthier and away from that injury, the Mets could kind of reap the benefits of the Blue Jays kind of selling low on him. And which is, I think this is selling low when you trade him as one third of a fourth starter, you know? So. Right. <laughs> it's hard not to get sold for less. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's tough, but he's the type of guy that I can see being a little post-hype starter. Like, not not starter, post-hype prospect that ends up kind of climbing the Mets system more than you would think. I think it is worth noting that he was left exposed to Rule 5 and went unpicked. Read into yes. that. 
what you will. I think that he his his uh, pitching repertoire, his just his his the stuff that he has, it's kind of not as loud as Reed Foley or Diaz, mm-hmm. but. Just the overall package itself, he has a, a higher floor than the other two, but then yep. lower ceiling. Sure, that's probably fair. Um, I think he's probably a little bit closer than we realize, right? Like, he was competent in high A while being hurt. I think if he comes back healthy, he's probably starting in double A, and when you're this type of prospect, once you get to double A, you're basically knocking on the door of the majors. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. He could see Major League uh, pitching time next year. If he does, things have probably gone bad, but... Yeah. Both him and Reed Foley could see could be in Queens in 2021. I think Diaz could be as well, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I want that. Let's just... <laughs> no, but, but, I mean, they've gone from... Uh, I mean, the rotation right now looks like, what, DeGrom, Carrasco, Stroman... And at the moment, Peterson and Lucchese. Lucchese, yeah. Lucchese. I always said it Lucchese, but I'm... I know, that's what I want to say, too. <laughs> um And I think it wouldn't surprise me if they still added a starter and Lucchese became more of an up-and-down type guy, which would be better. Um, but now, like, if you went past those that group, the rest of the depth chart was like Kilome, who... Probably isn't a starter and wasn't great last year. Harrell, who we've talked about to death. We all know what Harrell is. And then after that, it was... Uh, is Walker Lockett still on the team? No, he, oh, he's in, in Seattle now. Oh, no, right. He went to Korea. Korea. Um, Corey Oswald. Oswald. Corey Oswald. That's a, right, right. Um and after that, like, you're hoping that the instruct reports on Sapucky where his velo was shit aren't true. Like, it's, it got bad in a hurry. And I don't think anyone is gonna argue that Reed Foley or Winkowski or Diaz are, are like, top 100, even top 200 level prospects. I know Reed Foley is technically not rookie eligible, but he's got 70 major league innings, whatever. Right, but this is a, a massive upgrade to the Mets organizational pitching depth. Yeah, the, the, the Mets turned a four, a 30-year-old 4 or 5 starter into three upper minors pitchers when they had, like, one before. I mean, a, a, thir- so. a 30-year-old 4 or 5 starter who might not even be that Yeah, with one year of control costing $5 million. Yeah. When they're close to the luxury tax. And apparently they care about that. And they shouldn't care about AAA, but they seem to care about it, so the money matters. Yes. That $5 million is going to help make the Major League team a little better, no matter what, whatever path they go down, because it seems that they're pretty much choosing between two paths at this point, unless there's a surprise trade that could happen, which knowing these new Mets and how everything they, they do is close to the vest like crazy now, all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Who knows what they actually want to do. Do you guys miss sudden. the leaks? I mean, I, as a fan, I do because I get bored um, when nothing happens for three weeks. But realistically, it's better that they don't leak every single thing that they do to everyone. I will definitely say it's more fun to literally just kind of have no clue what's going on and then just kind of look down and be like, oh, okay, the Mets traded for Francisco Lindor. 
Awesome. <laughs> that, that does sound pretty great. Yeah, yeah I, I wonder how we're biased here because it used to be the leaks were just we tried, whereas now the leaks would probably be more real. But, but yeah, it's, so just looking at like free agent starters that are still out there, um, there's obviously Bauer who's going to cost way more and then probably got Adota Rizzi, Paxton, all these guys are going to command more money than that. But after that group of guys, there's a whole tier of reclamation back end types that you, that presumably would be available for the money that you're paying Steven Matz. Right? And it, and it's odd to me that a team would trade for that when you could just go get it on in free agency, which makes me very, very fond of this trade, right? Like the Mets could conceivably yeah. just take that five million they were going to give to Steven Matz and give it to, uh, Anibal Sanchez? Wow, Matt Shoemaker? Uh, they could turn it into two different starters if they really want to, if guys are willing to take less than five million, you know? Probably gets you most of the way to Taiwan Walker. Yeah. That's the one who I would be targeting if I was the Mets. Sure. But it's just flavor of the month, really. It's just whoever you want for whatever reason. I mean, they basically took an asset that's eminently replaceable and got something that you can't get in free agency, that being optionable pitching. Mm -hmm. Good job, Mets. Yep, looks like they definitely won this one. Unless Stephen Matz becomes, you know. I mean, maybe we should discuss the down. Like, what's the worst case for the Mets here? Matz is good again. I wouldn't even say that. I would say that if Matz is good again and the Mets and the Toronto Blue Jays meet in the World Series (laughs) and then Matz dominates them. Because in the American... In the American League, he's out of sight, out of mind. I don't know if they play each other this year, whatever, but... You know, like, well, good for Mets. I hope he does great as long as it does not negatively affect the Mets. You know, so. I would say with Mets, I think that's a horrible division for him to be in. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, like if it's 2020 Stephen Mats, he's going to get demolished by some of those offenses. Like, imagine Mats in Yankee Stadium a few times a year against that lineup. Like Mats in Fedway against yeah, the right you know, Oh, like, there's real, it's, it's real interesting that, like, they chose to go after a guy like Matt's, considering his struggles and how he would, how that division seems to very much align with wanting to hit guys like that. Well, whatever the case may be, he's no longer our problem to have to deal with. Right. Just like the downside risk is so minimal. The chance that, the chance that he's a four or fifth, four or five starter isn't even that high. The chance that he's anything better than that is, extremely small at this point. And even if he is, you traded him, you traded one year of control because he's a pending free agent. So, not a big deal. Yeah. I agree. Yep. It all worked out in Metsland. No, it's what a strange feeling it is for things to work out in Metsland. I definitely, definitely could get used to it. Mm Mm-hmm. I really have been having, like, a hard time getting used to it. I'm expecting the Mets to be <laughs> a laughing stock all the time. Well, this, this, look, this look, is... there's plenty of time for half the roster to get injured in spring training or half the roster to get COVID and everything to just go downhill. Yeah, no, I'm going to try to enjoy it while it's here. <laughs> 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So we are back at it with our top prospect list. And we're finally now getting to the good stuff this week with 10 to 6. So coming in at 10 is right-handed pitcher Franklin Kilome, who... Mm, everyone should be familiar with people that follow the monitors or people that don't because he made his uh, debut last year. He was signed by the Phillies as an 18-year-old at the DR. He spent a couple of years in their system, slowly working his way up. And then at uh, right before the trading deadline in 2018, the Mets traded uh, Estrubo Cabrera for him. And... Kilmay looked good in the limited innings that he pitched in Binghamton that year. Seven starts, about a four ERA, lots of strikeouts. But he hurt himself in late October, so he went Tommy John surgery, and he missed all of 2019. He came back last year, and he made his Major League debut. Um, didn't really look particularly great. He had 11-12 ERA in 11 and one and one-third innings, only 14 hits, walking nine, and striking at 13. So basically, he was getting smacked around. He was not striking too too many people out, and he was uh, walking the ballpark. Giving up lots of dongs too. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, but when he's on, he's he's on. And I even saw... think he showed flashes too in the major. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. There were some innings where I'd be like, oh, I see it. At his best, he can, you know, the fastball sits in the mid to low 90s, tops out in 97. Um, And he did have that velocity, more or less, coming back from surgery, so that's good. Um, Curveball, it it was the secondary stuff that looked rusty. Uh, The curveball, when it's on, it's like a plus, you know, maybe even plus-plus pitch. And then the curveball is just like, all right. And in his major league audition, the curveball didn't really look that great. The, the changeup did not look good at all. And he just looked like a guy with no real weapons, um, kind of just thrown to the wolves. He looked like someone a year removed from Tommy John surgery. Yeah, that's <laughs> and perfect. Was, uh, yeah. Not surprising, too, given that um, I feel like a lot of times the feel pitches um, are the ones that are the hardest to come back. Yep. It's like arm strength, they feel like, can bounce back relatively easily, but, you know, you take some time off from spinning a curveball. Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, this is all, when did the, the, the spike in Tommy John surgery start? In, like, the late 2000s? Or the mid 
or the you know yeah, mid there. to late right so it it is still kind of uncharted territory and the first uh worry that you know was always came up was would this guy get his velocity back coming back and i think at this point everybody always does only if something has gone terribly terribly wrong does a guy not get his velocity Marcus back? Marcus Molina would like has entered the chat. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Sapucky might <laughs> enter yeah. the chat. I, I, I didn't want to do go there, but yeah, <laughs> he might he might have made the group chat at this point with how yeah. reports sound. Friend of the podcast, Thomas Sapucky. <laughs> but it's yeah nowadays really it's more the secondary stuff and how crisp it's able to come back if at all, than more so than the fastball velocity and everything. But assuming that, let's say that this is, you know, we're, this is a great Mets. We don't get made mockeries of anymore. We win trades. All this good stuff happens in Mets land now. And Franklin Kilme does come back and the fastball is a crisp 94-95. That curveball, that 12-6 breaker, it just looks every time it comes out of his, his hand, it's beautiful. The curve, uh, the changeup comes around and it becomes, you know, a decent third pitch. What do you do with him? We were just Release. talking before about, yeah, we were just talking before about starting situation, relievers that could always be, you know, help in that regard. He interests me as a fastball curveball reliever. Um, Same. I've kind some... of always thought that's where he was going to end up. Me too. Um, even before the Tommy John, I kind of thought that it, he was going to be that type of guy. But I think he very much interests me as a guy who he, you could throw for two innings. Like, a, I don't want to say a Seth Lugo type because Lugo's very good. I don't want to give him that, like, put him all the way up there. But something in that ilk of a guy who could go a few innings because he has the starters backgrounds. And he also is a fastball curveball guy who just kind of is a fireman for you. In a pen. Yep, yep mm-hmm. I agree with that. And, and I also definitely agree with your, like, he'd look very bad at times last year, and then you'd, you'd get the, the flashes and coming back from Tommy John in a very weird pandemic season, seeing the majors for the first time, like, I, I think it was, the numbers aren't pretty, but I think you've got to consider it a, a reasonably successful uh, uh, 2020 for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he didn't make a fool of himself, which I guess is all you're really looking for, because there was no alternative. Either he pitches in the majors... Or he doesn't. He's, you're right, or he just doesn't pitch, period. So, Which is... I, I was about to say that, so thank you for mentioning it, but, like, he really needed a AAA team yeah, <laughs> to, to work this out, so... Like, like, he needed two months a, of AAA to remember how baseball worked, yeah. for his elbow to be like, oh, right, this is how I do this. Because it's a lot less, I guess, sky is falling type stuff with the prospect when it happens in AAA after Tommy John, but, like, it happened in front of everyone on SNY. So <laughs> that's how everyone's going to remember him as the guy who got beat up a bunch against the Braves. But, like, it's not really fair to him considering everything. Mm-hmm. And the audience on SNY is also just not used to guys like this, right? They, they're like, oh, he sucks, right? But anyone who follows prospects understands the lag period for the Tommy John recovery. Well, a guy that we will be talking, we'll have this same exact conversation in a year and a half, two years, whatever, is number nine on our prospect list, JT Ginn. And he was the 
the steal of the 2020 draft last year when the Mets picked him in the second round out of MSU. And he was a very good high school pitcher, and he was um, good in his uh, starts in his freshman year. But the only reason why he was available to the Mets was because he needed Tommy John surgery. So this is something that we'll be discussing with him in a little bit. But when, again, same thing, same like Kilomay, when he was healthy, uh, the stuff, it was premium stuff. Fastball sat low to mid nineties. It could touch the, almost touch triple digits, sat in the upper, in the upper nineties. He had, um, an amazing slider, um, like a, a wipeout kind of slider, like plus, possibly plus plus. And then, um, you know, a, a change up that flashed being average-ish, maybe even a little bit above average. But we won't see him on the mound for for a while. But just uh, uh, an exciting guy. Yeah, I've always liked Ginn. His repertoire reminds me a lot of how Marcus Stroman gets out. Like a very good sinker, one of the few very, uh, like a rare good sinker and um, hard slider, you know, just classic combo. Just not five foot six. Yeah, <laughs> no, and, and but just a little <laughs> taller and... <laughs> Uh, maybe throws a little harder. So we'll, we'll see what he looks like when he gets back from, you know, fully back on a mound. And, but I, I think they, they might have gotten one here. Um, I've liked Ginn for a while. Me too. Um, this is very Captain Obvious, but I don't think he's there for the Mets if he doesn't get hurt. Yep. So, no, no, no. Um, this is, this is the type of stuff that I think a team with, uh, thin minor league system should be doing is, I'd rather swing on Ginn than take some, got, like, take the first round talent that might be hurt than rather, than not, not might be hurt, that is gonna have to have surgery and you gotta kinda wait a little bit more. I think that's a better boom to your system because yeah. Ginn could be like, if he comes back and everything's fine, which obviously Tommy John is no guarantee, but we're in a lot better place with it in 2021 than we were before. Like, he could be like the second best pitching prospect in the system pretty easily. Mm-hmm. He might be that already. Yeah. He might be. <laughs> For, I mean, for all for all the crap we've given Brody, and I think we've actually had this conversation. His his MLB drafts were generally uh, more certainly more interesting, and I think most of us would agree just generally better than what ha- the Mets have been doing previously. Yes. Uh, they did a better job swinging on upside picks like Gin here, or uh, doing some crazy bonus pool stuff to land a guy like Allen, who we'll talk about next week, I imagine. And then that that Allen stuff is like the best prospect they traded to Cleveland for Francisco Lindor was in that. So yep. even though he he Josh Wolf is never going to be a Met, or maybe he will later, but mm-hmm. probably won't ever be a Met. <laughs> you don't get Francisco Lindor if he's not in your system, you know. So right, right. <clears throat> that's that's a good point. Going circling back to Kilome for a second, if he has. You know, if he is kind of redundant either as a starter or as a relief pitcher, there's still always value to him that could be, you know, used as a trade chip. Mm-hmm. But obviously he has to get that value up a little bit first. Of course. All right, now number eight on our list is a guy who uh, has been adding plenty of his val- value to his name is... Brooklyn native, 
Jalen Palmer. And love me some Jalen Palmer. <laughs> yep. He was drafted in the twenty second round of the twenty eighteen draft at a Holy Cross High School, which is in Queens. And he didn't really he was he was solid in his little in his uh in in the remainder of the that uh, of the twenty eighteen season that year with the GCL Mets, but he really kinda came into his own in twenty nineteen when he was promoted to Kingsport and he hit two sixty, three forty four, four thirteen as one of the youngest players in the league, which is something I don't think that we realize or talk about that much. Um he hit seven homers, which is good. And he struck out 39.1% of the time, which is bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's he, he's very much in the mold of Shervian Newton. There's a lot of power there, um, but there's also a lot of strikeouts. And the only way that he's going to be able to progress and maintain any kind of prospect status is by getting those strikeouts under control. And I think, I think that, that's a possible thing. Yeah, I was just saying, I think Newton has faster bat speed than um, Palmer. I don't want to say Palmer has a slow bat, um, but it, it just it's a long Maybe bat. The, yeah, the swing's a little longer. Yeah, so he would have to, to short, shortening up on it will definitely help. Um, and he's also. Very kind of thin and leggy. He's six foot three, 195 pounds. So he he's could conceivably... Uh, got the high ass, as the scouts say. Yes, he does. So, I mean, he could shorten up the swing a little bit and conceivably be put on 10, 15, 20 pounds of muscle and not lose, you know, not lose any of the, the power that comes with such a long swing if he, if he changes up his mechanics. And then defensively, um, he could play short. He could play third base. You know, he's got some range. He's got a strong arm. And he's he is above average. Um, he does have above average speed, and he's just kind of very athletic. So he could also conceivably be put in the in the outfield as well. Um, so a lot of options for him. Sorry, circling back to how we started this podcast, I might say he's the Dogecoin of the Mets system. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nailed it. The upside is Dogecoin goes to a dollar and you make like a 50-fold profit. Uh, but the downside is that he just strikes out 50% of the time in AA and never gets any further. So, Very good. That's a... You heard it here first, folks. Jalen Palmer <laughs> is Dogecoin. As a, as a, a, a tangent, real, again, a Dogecoin related tangent. I, I went on, remember how we were talking about the team, the California Dogecoins, and <laughs> I actually was gonna buy one of their shirts, but they don't have any available right now, so. That's that made me a little sad. Yeah. Now's the time for them to do that. Yeah, invest now, exactly. To the moon. Hell yeah. But yeah, I like Palmer. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to acquire him in all of my deeper dynasty leagues with mixed success. Nice. He's just someone that I think could um, pop, like we were saying. Like, obviously, he's risky. There's a lot. Those strikeouts are something that you don't want to see. But if he does hit and doesn't strike out a lot, then you could do a lot with a guy like that because he could play multiple positions. He's fast. 
and then if the if the bat keeps chugging along with how everything else could progress, then there could be something there with him. He's literally he's literally Shervia Newton from two years ago, and if yeah, I recall, yeah. I had I had Newton like fourth in the system a couple of years ago when we did a per, what, our personal list, which was insane. But the, the the upside is very much the same. Arguably that, better because I think Palmer has a better chance to stick it short or play center compared to Newton. That's actually something I wanted to highlight, and I don't want to. I'm not. I, I don't want to call you guys out or anything like that. That's not the right mm-hmm. word, but. <laughs> but I just want to like. Are we getting sense of the principles? We're, we're getting slammed by Sipa by uh. Sipa <laughs> slam. Yeah, exactly. There it is. There's that's your signature wrestling move, I think, right there. Hell yeah! Local podcast host destroys co-hosts. Yep, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Anyway, what no. were you saying? Uh, yeah, I'm not not calling you guys out. That's not the right word. I just kind of like want to understand because Palmer was a guy that moved the most out of everybody on the list, between the 2020 list and the 2021 list. Last year, we had him 16, and this year, he's 8. Obviously, there was no season, Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to know, like, what you guys, what changed for you guys? Because, Lucas, last year, you had him 19, and this year, he's 8. Ken, you had him 17, and now you have him 9. And, Thomas, you had him 21, and now he's 9. So, like, what is it that... Um, well, let's look. So, Amena's graduated. Um, right, so you have Amena's yeah, part Peterson. of it is that there's just not a lot of guys left. <laughs> right. Kevin Smith got traded. Uh, Junior Santos went MIA. Harrell is Harrell. And we got not, we heard not great things about Sapaki, so I think that accounts for some of it. And Amena's grad, did I say Amena's graduated? Peterson graduated. So there's a big chunk of guys who just disappeared above him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say personally, like I think 2020, I was overcorrecting for being too high on Newton a little mm-hmm. bit. Right. I'm like, man, I, I swung and missed on that Newton rating and that was wrong and, uh, overcorrected with Palmer. Um, I think that's the majority. It's both the attrition in the system and then also just a, a correction to the initial overcorrection. Makes sense. Now, next on our list is a guy that we're not going to spend too much time on because he just literally is not in the system anymore, is Josh Wolf, who was their second-round pick in the 2019 draft. And we wish him well. Um... Hopefully. Copy and paste your favorite prep pitcher's blurb, and it's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean that is that is uh, pretty much it. He's uh, Simeon Woods Richardson two electric boogaloo, as he's known around my condo. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost, almost exactly. I mean, they both were similar builds. They're both Texas guys. They're both good fastballs, sliders. I would say maybe Wolf is. The, the the higher floor of the two, just because there are less issues with his fastball. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, I mean, it's not like night and day or anything like that. They are very, very similar to each you other. You know what he is for sure? Someone you trade for Francisco Lindor without worrying about it too much. Yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. Josh Wolf, we thank you. Good luck. <laughs> and Sorry. Thank, you, thank you for Francisco Lindor. Yeah, maybe in in seven years, eight years, you'll be a Met once more. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Now, the last guy that we're going to talk about today is number six on our prospect list, third baseman Mark Vientos. And he's another second-round pick. He was taken in the second round of the 2017 draft. Um, could have possibly be could have possibly been drafted a little higher than where he was, but he missed some time in spring training that year from a quad injury. So he, you know, that kind of colors everyone's perceptions um, during draft time. But Matt signed him for a 1.5 million dollar signing bonus, which was about 500 thousand dollars over slot value. And he was all right in the GCL at the end of that year. And he was solid in Kingsport. I would say more, more than solid. I mean, he hit 287, 389, 489. So that's that's more than solid, I would say. Um, but the Mets were pretty aggressive with him last year, 2019. And they sent him to Columbia instead of holding him back during extended spring training and then having him go to Brooklyn. And he was in a vacuum. His season was okay. But given the expectations that we had of him, it was not a great season. He hit 255, 300, 411 um, with 12 homers, which I think was like a tick over league average or a tick under league average. But we we wanted to see him just completely obliterate the South Atlantic League and that Definitely did not happen. Um, overall, though, you know, it, it's a good profile. The The hit tool is eh, not that great. He really needs to work on just shortening his swing a little bit and um, getting developing a better eye for spin because that, to me, was the biggest issue that he had. Also, though, when I saw him, I've mentioned this before, literally, if you go to the stats, the week that I saw him was literally the worst week that he had (laughs) of the entire 2019 season. Literally right after that week, it was the the end of, you know, it was the end of the first half and beginning of the second half, and he had a pretty good second half. So, you know, let's hope that second half Vientos is is the new Vientos. But, you know... um, Got to work on picking up spin. There definitely is, though, a, a lot of power when he when he is able to make solid contact. You know, a lot of uh, batting practice power, and if he can work on that hit tool, then it'll manifest itself as in-game power as well. Defensively, he's just very blah as a third baseman. He's not going to stand out very much. Um, but he doesn't like completely suck, you know, for the time being anyway. He's just kind of there. I would say he's just a net neutral, maybe slightly below average, um, defender at third. Going forward, if he puts on some weight, then we're gonna have to have some discussions about moving him from third. But for now, I think that his, his arm is good enough. The range that he does show, you know, it's not explosive. You know, first step or anything like that, but he gets the balls, um, which is you know good enough. So he's you know an unexciting defensive third baseman who maybe have to be moved to first, but for now, third his his unexciting defense should be good enough. 
if he has to move, that's that's a little concerning. Yeah, even mm-hmm. more pressure on the bat. Yeah, especially with I think Pete and Dom. Uh, regardless of if he has to move, he, he's he's going to have to hit a ton. <laughs> oh yes, he is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So yeah. and more like a corner bench guy as opposed to a long term starter. I think at least that's my impression. Um, and uh, and I think it's fair to say that hit tool questions are probably the most concerning, and that's where his problems are, especially in modern baseball where we've seen so many guys make a small or, or even significant swing tweak and add power or get to the majors and just use the gopher ball and, and hit for power. But the opposite, where you have someone who just hits the ball super hard but can't make contact, that doesn't really get fixed as often. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's due to it being a more, whether it's a mental skill, whether it's a, a vision skill that can't, you can't really train your eyes to just be better, uh, or your, your, your visual cortex to recognize things faster, whatever the case, like that's, it usually doesn't go in that direction. Um, right. Also, so. something to keep in mind also is he is very, very young. That's a fair and- point. He, you know, he went from GCL and Kingsport, where guys are just kind of throwing, to seeing, you know, in in the South Atlantic League, seeing guys who are solid college pitchers who have fully developed arsenals. So, I mean, he really was seeing pitches that he had never seen before, breaking mm-hmm. breaking yeah. stuff. So they gives some hope that, you know he can develop the requisite eye to move on. Yeah, that's fair. He feels so much older than he, like, he feels like he should be so much older than he is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like he should be in his, like, 23. (laughs) I just feel like we've been talking about him for so long at this point. 2017 was only four years ago. Christ. Feels like forever. Well, 2020 does that to you. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I guess on the topic of 2020, that's a good, uh, <laughs> it's a good way to segue to the Will Pondery of the Week. Oh, very smooth. Because 2020 is just complete and utter Will Pondery. Uh-huh. And the Will Pondery of the Week this week are the assorted hedge fund millionaires and billionaires just crying about the market being turned against them, and now they're crying for some kind of regulations. Hey, you're not allowed to do the thing we do all the time. (laughs) That's not fair. I never want to hear someone say that people just need to learn financial literacy ever again. Mm -hmm. The second they do, they, they just start crying about it anyway. Straight facts. So, uh, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, they can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seipler. Lucas is at Elvahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at said Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week, and until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.